Hello and welcome to another episode of the Copcast podcast. We're finishing fifth, all but all but confirmed after the um, one all draw versus Aston Villa. Now definitely confirmed as Manchester United beat Frank Lampard's most assemb- Frank Lampard in the most expensively assembled squad in world football, four one. Because Frank Lampard is fucking useless. Um, and look at Jay, and look at Chief. And lads, well, look, Jay, I'll start with you. I'm feeling, I'm feeling okay about things. Um, you know, it's, I think we all, we all knew that this was going to be the likely outcome. Um, but we made a really good fist of it, and we've shown that there's still like, I think all the things that we said early in the season was there's like people, it, it just looked like they were, it just looked like they'd gone, like their heads had gone, the resilience had gone. Whereas actually now, you know, last eight games when the chips have been down, or the last nine games now, I think it's two draws and seven wins, um, and seven of those wins came in a row. So I'm feeling like. I'm feeling like we, we can use this as a springboard now rather than this um, off-season being a complete reset, if I suppose is what I'm taking ages to try and say. Yeah, I mean, the question is, are you sat on the toilet or not? Because it's very echoey. <laughs> um, but I think we've, we've seen that the form guide... Is... Just for clarity, right? Sorry, just for clarity. <laughs> I've been worked on in the house and there is no furniture in the room except for one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it, it's proven that, like, w- when the chips are down, as you say, like we can do it. I think, you know, you don't have to go through the the history books of the Klopp era that, you know, the title challenges when we've we've ran, you know, the the sports washing money laden Man City for for ninety eight points and not won the league, and you know this league's going to be won on you know maybe a sub ninety points or whatever it is. I don't even know where they are as the current thing stands, but. Even the, the season when you know we, we had no centre halves and we were we were we were putting in novices in in Nat Phillips and Reese Williams, we got the job done. With the times when you know first on early on in the Klopp era and we had to beat, I want to say Middlesbrough on the last game of the season to get into the top four, we done it. So you know we, we got so close, but I think it was just a little bit too late in sort of getting our season started to to get to the glory fame top four position. But what it has done is it's given us hope that, you know, that there's the signs of, of promise with players there. There's probably signs of clarification of players who probably shouldn't be there in the future. Um and, you know, it's been a crap season in, in all sense of the word, but at least it's sort of finished on a on a decent note in terms of a good run of victories, an unbeaten run. And, you know, as, as Biddle keeps on pointing out, that Bournemouth defeat was probably the one that killed us the most because that Mo Salah penalty miss probably makes it one all, and you'd imagine we'd probably go on to win that game and that could have actually been the, dis- the, the, the difference in in what we needed. But it, football is for ifs, buts and maybes. And, you know, we are where we are. We're Europa League and... I think everyone sort of comes to the reality of, well, you know what, it's not the glorious Champions League competition. 
that we've we've got used to in recent times in the finals. But if you look at the calibre and the quality of teams who are in the Europa League, like this season's final is Sevilla or Roma. Um, you know, the first season we played Sevilla in the Europa League final, the serial winners of this trophy. If we were to face them, you know, it wouldn't be a, a bad final. Or if we were to face Roma, there's there's many, many years of European history connected between Liverpool and Roma. So, you know, you, you wouldn't be half-arsed if you'd got to a final this season and faced one of them. So, you know, if there's the same sort of calibre of team within the next year, albeit in Dublin, you know, that you know, there's going to be a party to be had. So I think everyone's just going to get on board and embrace that competition that we're in it now. Yeah, look, there's loads of good teams that don't win that competition. Um, so, yeah. Um, Chase, it's, it's been, yeah, it's been an up and down and up and down, uh, more downs and ups until, until the last stretch there. Um, at the risk of sounding like, like a glass full, full person, um, and trying to make excuses because that's not what I'm trying to do. But at least I think a happy outcome of what was a terribly planned for season um, by whoever is we've got Curtis Jones back looking looking really sharp and looking like he could he could properly do twenty starts in the Premier League next year and it not really. Um, have a massive impact on on results, if any. Um, and I think we also have to kind of remember um, Stefan Bajcetic, isn't that how you pronounce it? Um, Bajcetic? Uh, probably. But anyway, him, the wee Spanish Serb. Um, there's, there's two players um, that, you know, we can start to we can start to blood into the team um, and start to plan for something beyond, you know, Fabinho and Henderson. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, we, of course, we have to sign midfielders. And I don't want to get this confused with, oh, we've got two midfielders there, so they're like two new signings. No, they're not. They're players we already had. But um, I think what we can do is we can focus on that really core kind of, 24, 25 year old that we like to we like to go and buy in two or three positions in there, and then we've already got the the players coming through the backfill for Fabinho and Henderson when they are eventually phased out. Actually, that that that's a good uh, question you ask, or something you mentioned about about Jones. There, I mean, he's someone that that came straight in from the cold, um, and a lot of us thought that perhaps his Liverpool career was over. The manager didn't fancy him. We didn't really know about, you know, in depth about, about the injury issues and, and sort of the specifics around that. But uh, it's, it's since emerged that there was a reason why he wasn't getting picked and it wasn't that the manager didn't rate him. And he's come in and, you know, played his way in, played his way into great form. And you were saying that... Um, there wouldn't be a drop off. No, I don't think there'd be a drop off at all. And I think he he adds he adds a lot when he plays, you know, and obviously he gives you a really good option in there. Um, by Cheric is someone that came in and was sort of thrust into the first team a little bit from nowhere. Obviously, those at the club and and people who paid more attention to the 
to the youth teams and the under 23s would have known a lot more about him and and obviously saw his star rising but for a lot of fans he just sort of came in out of the blue and you know for an 18 year old lad he performed you know amazingly well and at a time of crisis where we really needed somebody in there to step up he did um unfortunately he got his injury and you know, apparently it was quite a serious one. So the, there's still question marks over how much of a preseason he'll have. But hopefully he can come back and, and get a good preseason and and again feature next year. But um, he's not someone you're going to be relying upon at, at that sort of age anyway. He's someone you, you hope to bring through and, and and you hope someday could prove to be you know a bit of a world beater in that position. So like you said, there he's not a new signing. Someone we have at the club. But it looks like he's someone that can definitely be part of the first team, you know, as he as he as he matures, which is definitely a positive. Obviously, Trent coming in there is a massive positive, um, making that switch, proving um, proving that he can play in there and not just play in there, but dictate games and um, essentially act like, you know, behave like a quarterback. And I don't know if anyone's noticed, he's actually. Um, you know, his defensive work since switching positions is also massively sort of taken a bounce. And I think that's because it's it's all the responsibility is not on him anymore. anymore. And although he, he was amazing in that position, it was never his natural position, never the position he played growing up. And I'm sure he's he's over the moon to be in there. And it's, it's also a massive boost for us. But we will make signings. So... You know, we'll go on to talk about that a bit later, maybe. Um, it doesn't mean we don't need to make sense at all. We we absolutely do, but we're in a much better position psychologically and, and actually than we were two months ago. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, do you know what? I will just go to signings. Jay, Chief, he's talking about the midfield there and, and gaps that need to be filled. And the most likely one at the minute looks like it's going to be Alexis McAllister. And it's a very curious, a very curious situation. Um, McAllister, I kind of liked him. He's this is what is this his third season in Brighton? Um, I think I'd like, uh, I'd like to say it is, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, and he was kind of, he, he was kind of prominent the, the first year, last year, and I think even at the start of this year under Potter, he was kind of in and out. Um, and then all of a sudden, he's, he's, he's starting for Argentina in the World Cup and winning the World Cup. And he's been absolutely key uh, under De Zerbe. Um, he's using really, really effectively. But, uh, yeah. but it, it's, a bit, it's, a, it's a bit of a weird... I, I, I don't really know how, how good is he. Is he I, I just don't know. You, he must be decent to like the likes of Lionel Messi, right? Yeah, because... You know, you'd imagine Messi probably has a large sway in who actually gets in that Argentina team. Um, probably, but like Graham Potter didn't rate him, so come on. Yeah, but Graham Potter, <laughs> like when, he, when he was given, you know, actually decent players, like look what he did with them at Chelsea. Like, let, as much as we can laugh at Chelsea's season, they've still got a, a squad of quality players. Maybe he just didn't know what to do with them. You know, like he's he's shot through the ranks, Graham Potter, really quickly from Osterstons, or I think it was up in, I want to say, 
Norway or Denmark. I'm sorry, or Sweden, one of the Scandinavian yeah, countries. Yeah, but it's funny though. It's it's funny it's, though. Every game that Lampard manages, it's Norway. Also, also since Norway, I'm pretty sure, isn't it? No, I think it was Sweden. He was in. We'll go, we'll go Scandinavia. Yeah, yeah. He's um, a bit of a. He's a bit of a Hudson. Well, I don't know. Every here, like, he? every every game that every game that Lampard seems to manage makes Potter look like he's done more more of a good job. Yeah, that's true. Given the circumstances, you know. But, but then was, Frank is probably the worst. Yeah, I know that. Managers to ever to ever ply the trade, I'd say at this point. Uh, back, back to the big man. Um, I think, I think the, the the sort of system we're playing now. Um, I think he's really suited to like the advanced midfield roles. So if a, you know, people are looking at it and say we're playing a, a box sort of midfield, if if they want to put it in that sort of formation, that Trent is uh, sitting slightly deeper with Fabinho, and then. As recent times has been Jones and Henderson in, in the more advanced positions, um, I think you probably you probably plugging McAllister into where Jones is probably playing at the moment. Now, not not saying he's replacing Jones because Jones has done really well, but you know if you can have two quality players per position, then that'd be great. And I think Jones could equally do a job on the right hand side where Henderson is um, at the moment. So you know, you, I think the the bits I've seen of McAllister, his sort of skill set, remind me a, a bit of Thiago in terms of he's quite quite happy to take the ball anywhere in the field, quite happy to turn under pressure. And he might not be as technically gifted as the way Thiago passes a ball, but he can probably carry it a lot more mobility-wise than, than what Thiago, of what we've got at the moment. So, I mean, at least he's on the pitch more than what Thiago is at the moment, but he can carry the ball, which is what Klopp if you're thinking to to players who are actually leaving at the moment, is Oxley Chamberlain and Keita. They were they were bought with the premise of ball carriers and progressive in the middle of the park where like we had a functional midfield of Fabinho, Henderson and Wijnaldum. Of course Wijnaldum could carry the ball, but he'd done a lot of the mopping up and a lot of the, the dirty work that went unnoticed that until he left, people realised what he was doing. But the the signings of Keita and Chamberlain were to, you know, take that that ball between the lines and obviously it's not worked for them for various reasons and maybe Klopp's looking at McAllister and sort of identifying that he can do that but he can also do the on-ball stuff that we had Thiago for and given how, as this year's gone in Thiago's case it's it's becoming less and less a feature that he's on the field so I think he sort of is a is a player who fits a couple of couple of roles a couple of positions but in the current setup. I think he's he's probably more suited to the left hand side advanced position, just from where I've seen his play with Brighton. But you know, I, I'm not I'm not on the coaching team. He could be lining up on the right hand side. He could be playing in the anywhere. We could change formation again next year. Who knows if this is just an experiment? Just because you know we had nothing to lose and Everton to gain in the last few games and putting Trent in that advanced position was was just an idea and who knows where we are next year but given how positive it's been you'd imagine we're probably going to roll with it in the next half well the next year or two coming so we will see but until he's at Kirby in a red shirt signed, sealed and delivered I'm not getting my hopes up because that's how transfers work especially with us 
Yeah, Steve, another one for me quite curious is is Harvey Elliott. Um, like my personal opinion is I don't know if he is the right sort of profile for how we have kind of morphed in this system this season. Um, he started, he, I think he was up until the point he was the only player that had been involved in every game for Liverpool, and you're talking 40 games in. And then all of a sudden, Curtis Jones comes back and he must have played, you know, probably combined 60 minutes, maybe. 90 minutes, maybe, in, in the last 10 games. So, I don't know. I think I don't think it's an unfair question to ask if is is Liverpool the best place for Harvey Elliott? Maybe is the best way of putting it. I'm, you know, I'm I'm sort of of your mind. I'm not convinced that I'm not convinced he has the attributes necessarily at a high enough level to 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 be um, a regular starter in a team that wants to challenge for the highest honours. You know, I, I I don't really think I can sort of. I just don't I don't rate him that highly. I have to say, um, whether that's short sighted, perhaps, but he he's 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 not big. He's not quick. He doesn't have a powerful shot necessarily from outside the box. I mean, he scored the odd one, but I mean, he's not. He doesn't have a thunderbolt. He doesn't have set pieces. Um, he's not robust in the sense of being able to sort of shield the ball and, and hold players off. Like he, he doesn't have he, he doesn't use a low centre of gravity. He's not strong like Raheem Sterling was or, or anything like that, particularly. I don't really see what Jurgen seems seems to have seen in in Harvey Elliott. And okay, that's not surprising. But that's what makes me sort of wonder if if I'm missing something. But uh, I don't know how, how you feel about it, Jay or Dave. You you sort of seem to be of the of the same mind. I just don't rate him that highly. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he's a bad. I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's potentially a, a really good player. I, I can imagine him playing for like. I, I can imagine him playing for Wenger's Arsenal when they were not that great. Not when they were shit, but when they were not that great, you know, after the peak years, he he seems like that sort of player to me. Yeah, that's not that's not a that's not a bad not a bad comparison, like a like a Jack Wilshire sort of. Yeah, something like light. with a better attitude and professionalism or whatever. Yes. But but you know that that sort of ilk. Yeah, I like I, like, I, I just I think, think he's probably a mid-table yeah sort of player. Like we got him from Fulham. If he was in the Fulham team now, you know, he might look decent, but, you know, I don't think he'd be standing out too much. And I think that's probably the sort of level he's probably going to be comfortable at in a team that, you know, just just plays nicer football where the intensity that we want to play at in terms of like the, if you look at what we've done in the the latter half of the season, the latter portion of the season where 
he's not really featured. You know, the the idea of the game just being turning the ball over high up the field and, you know, pounce on top of teams. And as Chief mentioned there, he doesn't have the strength, he doesn't have the pace, he doesn't have the power to, to See, be relentless he's a bit of, For me, he's a bit of a throwback. You know, he's, he's a bit of a, like a, oh, I don't know, like somebody like Joe Cole, maybe. You know, you, you don't Joe really, Cole was better. Yeah, you know what I mean. No, not not physically particularly gifted. Obviously, very skillful. You don't really but know. Not, you don't really know what what to do with him or where to play him. Joe Cole's played all over the, all over the place. Yeah, but I mean, I can, was, I can I can see what you're sort of getting at there. I mean, Joe Cole was brilliant when he was at West Ham. Because it was Harry Harry Redknapp was the manager, and he just said, "Go on and fucking do your shit," basically. And that was like that was like in the in the years where they still had you know that position that was the free role. No, yeah, that, exactly. That the lack of responsibility. Just yeah. go and, and do your thing. Go and do it. Go and be the 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 um, virtuoso number ten. You know, um, and that, and and he excelled there. And as soon as he went to Chelsea. And Mourinho drilled the fucking, you know, the tactics and the system into him. It, it completely killed him. By the time we got him, he was a he was a burnt burnt out shell. Um, I think he would. Was, but but Harry, he would. You know, so, sir, sorry, go on. sorry. Uh, we mentioned Fulham, and obviously he came from Fulham. But like we had a player who's at Fulham now, and it, if you had one, or I'd rather have Harry Wilson in the squad than than Harvey Elliott. You you look at them. You look at the pair of them. Uh, Harry Wilson's got 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 more for me, more potency to his game than than Harvey Elliott does. Harvey Elliott might be he's obviously younger, and you know perhaps perhaps he'll he'll, he'll still develop and 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 get, and get better. But where's the cutting edge there with Harvey Elliott? I think he he's a player that can look good if you're if you're. You know, if everyone's playing well and you're winning three 0 Harvey Elliott looks great. But you know, how how often is he is he going to really affect things? I I really don't. Yeah, as as Jay said, I I would agree. You know, yeah. And I think for me, I think, I think a, a, another thing for me is from a tactical perspective. You you, you imagine, and I I I wonder is this. Is this part of why he hasn't featured in, in the last the last kind of ten games or so? The way Trent is playing now, um, and the way you have Gakpo dropping in, you've got Salah making those making those inside runs. You really do need somebody who can kind of go outside and fill that really kind of wide midfield role, um, and you know provide the first screen as well for a ball going down the right-hand side. But ultimately, you've got to get somebody who can kind of hit the byline and, and cross the ball when Trent's playing in that like inverted fucking whatever it is position. And Harvey Elliott is, from that right-hand side, his natural instinct is always going to want to duck inside onto his left foot and try and drive forward. So, you know, you really aren't getting the best out of him if you're playing him in that position. And if you're not playing him in that position, I'm really not sure what you do do with him. You're clogging up the pitch, right? Which is yeah, what we're doing now. I at least with Henderson, he's got the ability 
to go on his right foot <laughs> because he hasn't got a left. Um, but like, but it, yeah, it, but Henderson, Henderson, you know, Henderson has played earlier in his career yeah, like right, mid, will, right midfield, and he knows to go. He knows how to go round the back and hit the byline and cross the ball, even yeah. if it's not on the money every time. But tactically, he's got the attributes to do what the manager wants yeah. him to do. And and if he had the engine, which he used to have four years ago, he'd be able to do a lot more to track him back and. Elias, as much as he's busy, has not got you know the the stamina to, to do what Henderson used to do. Henderson will try now, and I'll give him that. He, he does try, but it just doesn't happen for him at times. I think where Elliot will probably be best is where Jones is sort of playing, but Jones is a lot more physically developed, and he, he, well, he's he just suits the system more. bigger and stronger, really, isn't he? Yeah, but it, but it's, I think also yeah. like. But I think there's only a year between them. I think there's only a year between them. Yeah, he's two-footed though, Jones. You you said it yourself, Elliot is so left-footed, he just wants to come inside all the time. I think with Jones, he has got the ability to take it and go either way. So that that aids him in that position. I think, you know, would we be be two-footed if Harvey Elliot went on loan next season to Fulham? I wouldn't be. By the way, I will just... On the rare occasion that I do get things right, I feel like compelled to call it out. I did say quite some time ago and get laughed off the pod that Curtis Jones was much better than Harvey Elliott. But, you know, that could probably change in the next six months. Who knows? Um, go on. On record, I, I definitely don't think I laughed at you. If you probably said, didn't, but um, most other people did. Uh, I probably fine. did. Aye, well, anyway. Um, a broken clock's right twice a day. We've said it before. That's, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Even even a blind squirrel finds the odd acorn. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. So, um, big holes to fill, guys. Um, Firmino, Milner, and well, some smaller holes to fill in <laughs> in in, in Labi Kaida and Chiefs mate. Oxley at Chamberlain. Um, but like, ultimately. Finally, we're finally getting rid of him. Fuck. Yeah. And like, it, it, people can say what they want about individual players. And there, I think there's, there's still this weird nubby kind of cult that's floating about somewhere. But ultimately, for what is probably 400, 450 grand a week in wages, you know, certainly on the pitch, you weren't. You know, that's as bad value for money as you can probably imagine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're finally, we are finally getting a little bit of the dead wood off the books, which is which is a good thing. Kaida obviously decided he wasn't signing a new contract and he's been, you know, his time's been very limited anyway, as you say, on the pitch, fuck all time. Chamberlain's been injured and then generally shit. And um, hasn't had much time on the pitch either. Um, but actually, they're they're you know well you say well you're right in saying they're they're sort of smaller holes to fill in terms of playing time. They're actually quite big holes to fill in in terms of what they should have been. Certainly, kinda you know. So we obviously know we need to massively bolster the midfield strength so so uh, you know getting them off the books and freeing up money to bring in whoever we are bringing in 
um, is really important. And uh, hopefully, although they are, you know, minor members of the squad at this point and have been for a couple of seasons or at least a season, um, we now need to replace them with, with players who are going to be regular starters and regular first teamers, you know. So, um, whereas you sort of feel with Firmino and Milner, although they're massive personalities off particularly off the pitch and in the dressing room that's going to be the the hardest part i think to replace in in, in their um with regards to them you know their their attitude their experience their persona within the within the ranks as opposed to necessarily what the what they've done on the pitch in recent times um obviously milner was always a sort of steady and well in in more recent times, he's he's always been a steadying presence and someone Jurgen likes to go to, you know, to usher out games or or um, you know, um, if if you're in a if you're in a crisis, then then put him in there as well and and very very versatile. And over his Liverpool career, I don't think any of us when when we signed him thought he would have the the career that that he's had for us. So. You know, hats off to him. He he is now a Liverpool legend as well as uh, you know the other some of the other clubs he's played for. So yeah, I think obviously Bobby scored a, a good few goals this season. Um, but again, you know, with with the with the weaponry we've got up front, you wouldn't think we'd necessarily massively miss him in a playing sense. You'd hope we wouldn't. But I think in the dressing room and around the squad, they're going to as I said, that's going to be the the biggest thing with them. Just on the on the Kate and the Ox thing, um, nine appearances in the Premier League for Ox this season and eight for Kate, thirteen each across all all competitions, and between them both, not even a thousand minutes combined. So, yeah, you know, you, you're not you're not missing a lot there, are you? Really, if you put, put no, that into you're not grand scheme of ninety minutes, you, you you're looking at ten four games a season between them. No, but you, you 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 pay one you pay one player with with the wages that you pay you pay half a player with the wages that you were paying for them and you're still getting better value for money. You know, you could buy like you could buy a mannequin um, for like we did. Four. We got Arthur. <laughs> he he wasn't even a mannequin. You couldn't even get him on the pitch. Um, you know what I mean? That, that's like that was apparently, this, this, I saw his I saw his name on a, a couple of uh, substitutes rosters, like, but uh, I've, I've never even seen him in a Liverpool kit. I know. I could, honestly, I I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. I don't even know what the no, fucker looks me like. Neither, like. The, the great the greatest stat is his only appearance at Anfield is for Barcelona in the four other defeats. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh dear. Jay, this is interesting, right? I have a very, very strong feeling on this spot. Like I said, there's this, still this weird nappy kind of cold floating, cold floating about. Um, it's just a bit of a divisive question for the crack. Um, who do you think has had a better Liverpool career, Kyler or Chamberlain? Ooh. That's hard. Uh... I'm 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 stumped on that one because Neither. at the very at the very beginning, Chamberlain offered so much, and then when his knee was bust, I think that was against Roma, wasn't it? Actually, uh, funnily enough, um, I mentioned him earlier on, but 
since then he's been a shadow of a player. Um, but Kate has probably had more more bigger games that he's played in. Like he he, he played in both finals, I think, last season, um, or maybe the semi final against City in the final against Chelsea in the League Cup, if I remember rightly. Um, and you probably got more quality, I think, out to cater to Knoxley Chamberlain, and that's just shading it ever so slightly. But we, we didn't see neither of them ever, ever as much as we wanted to. Um, it, it, it's just it's just a shame, really, and in, in the grand scheme of things, that we, we, we've had two players who, you know. We're meant to progress us so much, and again, it takes us back to McCall's to talk. If if that's what he has been going to be brought in to do, is to you know be a ball progressive carrier up the field, then you know hopefully he doesn't sort of fall under the injury paradox that we seem to have with these players. But I think I would I'd be saying it's fifty one forty nine probably in in the favour of Cater because I think he he probably had more of a, a positive impact on the overall team. I think Chamberlain's was just. You know, the odd occasion you'd have a, a strike from distance. Um, but I think as an overall team player and making the team play better, I'd probably shade Cater. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I know what you're going to say, Chief. I'd probably agree. But what I would say is I think Ox has probably had bigger moments. Like he he has that goal against City, doesn't he? And is it is it in the Champions League where he's yeah the course it's both, it's both yeah. goals both games against City two yeah. streamers and he he scores a he scores he scores a good few so I mean I think he's probably had bigger moments but I think I would agree with Jay now he's probably over the over his time he's had more more impact for what you can say like he did play in both finals last year I think or. He certainly played a big part. He had to come in the League Cup final um, cold, basically. He was told half an hour before, wasn't he, that he was playing because yeah, Thiago got injured. And he, you know, he helped us to to those victories. And uh, he's, you know, helped us no, no. It'd be interesting to see who's had more game time. Like, probably, probably Navi shades that like. But Yeah, it's not even a question of who had the most, it's who had the least. Yeah, well, whatever way you want to look at it, glass yeah. half empty, like you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I feel like Chamberlain has contributed more, to be honest. Um, I feel like for these two players, what games they played in has generally been a matter of availability because Klopp has, you know, consistently gone to these boys time and time again whenever he whenever he can. So. Um, yeah. The thing is, they, they were available a lot more recently. Yeah, yeah. It's just funny. I, I just, I just feel like Chamberlain. Chamberlain is so frustrating for me because when he was good, he and it, it was right before that injury against Roma, or sorry, against uh, Atletico, wasn't it? Was it? I can't. I think, no, no, it was wait, Roma. What? It was, was Roma when he was knee. Was yeah. it not? There was the second one against Atletico, though. Where you thought he was really getting back to it, and then Atletico even out again. I could be wrong, but there was a point where Chamberlain was everything that we thought the everything we thought this team was missing, 
a strong, powerful runner who could pick the ball up, drive forward, get around the back cross, shoot from distance, score, and like get numbers. And Chamberlain was able to do that. And I think, you know, you can kind of look at Curtis Jones now. He's got, he's got nine games in a row. You're starting to see what he can do. I feel like if Chamberlain had have got a season and a half, two seasons, injury-free, he could have added a whole other dimension to yeah, that side. It's what it could have should have, because I think it's exactly the same for Kaida. Kaida's career at Liverpool was massively plagued by injuries, and he was always sort of just getting into a nice being a form, and game seven or whatever, he'd get injured and be out for another couple of months. So, you know, neither of them could stay fit, and, and ultimately that was the problem, um, and that's what scuppered their, their Liverpool career. So, hopefully... But, the signings that we make, as Jay said there, don't don't fall under the same curse. Where do you think they end up, by the way? Just a, like a quick... I think he, he ends up with something like Brighton or, or, or you know, somewhere like that. Maybe Bournemouth even, somewhere like Bournemouth. Um, who's the other one? Naby, somewhere in Germany, maybe? Yeah, Chamberlain looks very West Ham to me, doesn't he? Yeah, but I don't think he's good enough. I don't think he's good enough anymore. I, I, I think West Ham would, would would want more than that now. My my personal opinion, but you know my feelings on. I reckon Naby ends up in France somewhere. You think? I reckon that would suit him. Nice laid yeah. back lifestyle, playing down in Nice or something like that. Maybe. I I can see Naby possibly even end up in Italy. Could do. I mean, a bit, bit more like of a slower sort of game, isn't it? Just a, yeah. a slower, less slightly, slightly less physical game. Right, there, there's been a, an article out today from from old Jimbo who I think he he, he had it in for Naby from the very start. I think he he's never ever talked to him, but he sort of has gone on about like he never embraced like speaking English too much and you know sort of the the Liverpool way and whatever. So you know may, maybe France would be more suited to him because. You know, there's a lot of African players based in France. Maybe you would feel more at home there. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he rocked up in Italy or somewhere, you know, like where it's a little bit slower paced and less intense. Well, I think that was the, the main thing that killed him, the intensity. And as you said, you get seven games in and you just break. Which which then would raise the question as to, the, the you know, the management of the player. Did, did, we, did we overplay him? Did we did we find ourselves in a situation where we never ever learned from the science of of what actually his body could and couldn't do in terms yeah. of what we like? You look at Joel Matip. We know now if you play Joel Matip on a Saturday, Wednesday, you probably can't play him the next Saturday again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Let's get away from these two people because they're they're not going to be Liverpool players next season, and I only care about the boys that have the red shirt on. Um, let me see what I was going to say. Right, let's do it. It's been like three or four weeks or something. I don't expect us to sign it forward at all. But we are so lopsided at the moment. I feel like there is still something that we need to do up there. Um, Chief... Are we, where are we with 
All right, I'm interested in your thoughts. Where are we with Darwin Nunez's long-term future at Liverpool? Is he is he destined to try and Do- figure out how to play the, that left-hand side role? Or is there some sort of other tactical tweak that we can do to try and play more to his strengths because certainly playing him through the middle is not going to play to his strengths well I think we can do loads I think we can do loads I think we have a full pre-season with him and um, we've already seen you know obviously Klopp and the management team have seen a lot more than us in training and whatever we've already seen what he can do um there's tons that can they can work on him with, um, or work on with him, um, in terms of of teaching him to play from the left. In terms of cute things he can do playing up front, um, I don't subscribe to your view that playing him through the middle doesn't work for him. I think we just need to adapt our game a little bit when he plays through the middle. And that's fine because if you have someone with his attributes, you can accommodate that a little bit. Because you know, if he's going to be breaking clear and uh, and getting in one-on-one situations, then likelihood at some point he's going to start sticking the ball in the net. Um, he can play from the left anyway, so you can sort of sort that out. There's a question with with Diaz um, as well in the sense of what are you really doing with him? How does he dovetail? He's he's absolutely brilliant fabulous on the eye and and you know he's got he's, he's he's got it all but how do you best use him to, to actually maximize his potential and get goals and assists out of him how do you get them all dovetailing because the players you've got there on paper and and in reality when you see them play on their day are all are all sensational you know we've got Jota there who's pretty much a dead eye assassin whenever he's whenever he's in the mood um you got Darwin who's quicker than anyone and and we've seen um can finish and you know seen to our detriment and is is seasoning uh season and a half of Benfica sort of proved that as well. Um and he's you know actually numbers wise he's co- he, he hasn't done badly uh, for us this season um in terms of goals to minutes and and so on. So there's a lot to work with there. You can probably you can probably get him to to essentially. I mean, what is he? Twenty three. So pr- pretty young, still and and still able to be worked on. You could you could even think about um, can you even teach him to play off the right as well? So so he can play across the front. But yeah, his long term future as to where he exactly plays is. In the forward line for Liverpool, uh, and, and just giving you a, a massive option, will he kick on and, and become a a really lethal goal scorer? I hope so. I hope so. It's certainly not beyond the realms. Um, but but his, his long term future is at Liverpool. There's no um, there's 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 certainly no reason to, to to shit the bed after the season he's had. I think he's he's acquitted himself pretty well. And if we hadn't had such a shocker of a season and we'd been able just to bed him in normally, I don't think if he'd had the season he'd had, we'd we'd really be thinking too much of it. In 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 terms of a bad sense, we'd be like, yep, yeah, fair enough. He's just getting bedded in, and next season he'd be ready to go. Were you in this, Jay? Um... Because for me, like, 
genuinely have like a great amount of excitement for Cody Gakpo playing in the false nine. It it just it makes me happy. Um it's a thing of absolute beauty, I think. Um just he's perfect for it. Um and can potentially give you in, in terms of numbers and, and dynamism even more than Firmino did. Um he doesn't have that same guile as as Firmino, but there's attributes there where he can almost, you know, evolve that position. Um, so you know, where are you on where the rest of the the rest of the guys fit in? Because essentially, the way it's looking to be there is you've got one nailed on in the right, one nailed on in the middle, and it's three on the left hand side. And like I say, that's where I feel it's a little bit lopsided. It, it it quite possibly is, but you know, Gapo is is probably one of the most intelligent of the front players that we've got. Like you know, you you mentioned Darwin; he, he's the, probably the least intelligent. Um, he just literally is like a raging lunatic. And and Diaz, I, I think the the Leicester game last week was a prime example when a, def, a decision didn't go his way in the first three or four minutes, he lost his head, and he just sort of went on a rampage and. Everything he was trying to do was 100 miles an hour and just weren't working. Um, Joss, has, Joss has got the nose, and yes, they can all play from the left, but you know, as we've seen, Jota can play through the middle. There wouldn't, there wouldn't be a surprise if, if we lined up in games you know, with a, a nominal from four and Jota or Nunes was playing ahead of Gakpo because we've seen you know, Gakpo's got the ability to drop into midfield and play an advanced eight role if we are going to play this sort of, as mentioned earlier, on the box midfield with two more advanced players. Well, who's to say Gapo would not be one of them players in the advanced position and then you start with with Nunes or Jota down the middle. So it gives you options. It gives you, you know, the ability that Diaz from the left can hog the touchline um, and naturally play out wide where the other two Jota and Nunes will like to come inside and and play that sort of out to win role and with Mo Salah, he, he he is probably better the closer to goal he actually is, which would beg the question. Yes, which we're saying is, are we too lopsided? I wouldn't be too upset if we maybe invested somewhere in a, in a young potential player who could play out there. Um, on the on the right hand side, would but maybe a more natural right winger who can actually get to the byline and sort of deliver across. Um, you know, you sort of old right winger sort of style player. But are, are we going to do that, or will you know? The, the, we've seen the likes of Ben Doak throughout the season. Yes, he's very young. I think he's seventeen. Are we going to invest maybe in the likes of him next season? Say right, well, he's going to get half a dozen starts across the, the, the league and FA Cup and then maybe he's on the bench a bit more if he's if he's ready to sort of step up his game time. I don't know because maybe well, this is a benefit. you bring this a player a in. The, the, yeah, it's a benefit you can maybe get from being in the Europa League as well, actually. Because if you're, if you're player A, for example, and you are 21 years of age and you're playing... Let's just, for Biddle's sake, you're a fire order and you're a 20, 21-year-old right winger 
and Liverpool come calling and offer you a position to come to Liverpool, but you're Mo Salah's backup. Or you're at firing order and you think, well, we've just won the league and now we're in the Champions League. Do you stay do you stay put or do you, do you move to Liverpool to be Mo Salah's backup and maybe get yourself half a dozen starts across the season? I think it's a hard sell. Um which yeah, is probably why we haven't got it. And the fucker the fucker's never injured either. I think it's he missed three he's missed three games in his Liverpool career through injury and one of them was concussion. Yeah, so I I can see your point for the for the lopsided arguments, but even then, who who's to say that, you know, Luis Diaz is right footed. You could play Luis Diaz on the right. He did that against Chelsea when he brought him off the bench, I think, didn't he? Yeah, and Diogo Jota is not his best position, but he has played out there. So I don't think we're too short, and I wouldn't be too surprised if we left the front line alone because if we're all honest with ourselves, the way the way our clubs run, we're going to be short somewhere in the transfer window. Like We all think we probably need... A certain amount of players, we're not going to get that. Like the reality is, we're not. Like I've I've said all season, we needed three or four midfielders. The chances are, we probably need four now. We might be getting two or three, so we're going to probably be short, in my opinion. We might need a couple of defenders. We might get one, and then we might not get the attacker that we need, or and we might get a goalkeeper if Kelleher moves on, for example. And that's just where we are. But if it's a case of right, well. We might look at it and say, well, we lost Bobby Firmino, but we did bring in Gapo in January. Was that the natural replacement? I think so. Then the front line is probably even keel where we were, so that can sort of be left for now. I, I don't know, but the reality is I don't think we, we need one right away, and it's a hard sell to get one in. Yeah, fair, fair. Okay, so let's just... Look at um, let's look at what our expectations are. Um, it is Europa League next season. I don't know whether that presents an opportunity to go and win something, an opportunity to rest players, but we're we're kind of in a position now where we know the financial revenue next year is going to be seriously compromised due to. The Champions League. I, I dare say, Teeth, failure to, to qualify for the Champions League isn't really going to impact who we can sign because I think we've got a track record there, and everybody realizes this is a bit of a blip. We've also finished the season really strongly. We're, we're, you know, we can point to that as well. You've also got the draw of the manager, and people are going to want to come to play for Liverpool while Klopp is still in charge. But does, or and if it does, how much does the fifth place finish impact our ability to do what we want to do in the summer um, it's difficult to say you'd think that it it might have some impact in that you know there's always the talk of, of players want to play in the Champions League and if players are making a big move then they they want to be in the biggest competition and, and so on. But like you rightly say, I think this would be recognised as a little bit of a blip, especially the way we finished this season. And I think the bookmakers would, would have us as favourites to finish in the top four at least next season. 
So I think if you're making a move and signing a, a four-year contract, a five-year contract, whatever, um, then you're banking on us being back in that competition next year. And you're looking at us having an extra route back in actually via the Europa League. And you're thinking, well, there's, they're going to have loads of games because the Europa League, they're bound to go far in the Europa League and the Europa League's actually got extra rounds and more 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 teams in it. Um, you're also thinking, yeah, I won't be in the in the biggest competition of all, but I'm still going to be featured on, on TV every week. I'm still going to be playing in Europe um, against perhaps a slightly, you know, well, obviously a, 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 a set of teams that is de facto, uh, you know, a, a rung below or de jure a rung below. But as you said, some big names in there every year. And once you get to the latter stages, it's always, you know, top teams that could easily be in, could easily be Champions League names. So I don't really know how big of an impact it will have financially. It it shouldn't really, given the, 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 the last couple of transfer windows we've had where we haven't spent much money. Um, given the amount we're getting off the wage bill, as you said, in, in in terms of the likes of Kaida and Chamberlain and 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 others, um, and the, and the players we got off the wage bill in the summer as well, with the likes of Origi and and one or two others leaving, um, I think we should be in in a good position to do the business we want to do. Um, so let's see. We've been let down before, and and Jay's probably right. We're always probably going to feel that we we could do more. Um, especially given that the the situation we find ourselves in this season and uh, another season we can think of by leaving ourselves short, but um, but yeah, I think we we will make a solid investment this summer, and I think we will bolster the squad quite significantly. I have to say, and I think any I think we've been promised as much, and I think anything less will lead to severe unrest unrest amongst the the fan base. Like. So we're ex- we're expecting civil unrest in the city of Liverpool, Jay. That's what we're expecting. Unrest amongst the fan base. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to be raging like if we don't get what we want. Yeah, <laughs> so. sure. And uh, will they never get what they want? Because we want like Bellingham and Mbappe and um, I don't know who else. So, yeah, we the the names are one thing, but you know we we have to get the numbers. You know, and we have to. We, I, I think. You know, we're, we seem to be resigned to the fact that the Bellingham thing's not going to happen now, and, and fair enough. But we need to to go and then step up and 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 make some some quality signings in there. And they don't have to be world beaters to us necessarily, but it has to work. You know, like Genie Wijnaldum wasn't on paper a world beater, but it it fucking worked. You know, we need to be there again. Our sweet spot is, you know, the thirty to forty. Well, you probably with inflation prices, let's say the the thirty-five to fifty million pound range is what we're probably talking as our sweet spot mm-hmm. at the moment. So, you know, no Champions League off the table. Bellingham looks like it's pretty much dead certain off the table. Um, but if you were to say, right, well, we had a hundred million scheduled to one side for Bellingham. And it's Bellingham, or we could get two 
players and if we make the right sort of sales in the market, add another player or two in there for midfield and that's your free midfielders for 130 million. Let's let's give a reasonable figure. You know, if you get a couple in for 50 million quid each and a 30 million pound midfielder, but your home midfield then looks a lot stronger, more able to go for what type of football we want to play. Well, that's that's the smart decision compared to, to signing Jude Bellingham. As, as great a player as he is, he cannot change us on his own. So, you know, it's got to be smart recruitment. And, you know, I think we've all been around long enough and we've seen how we operate in that. You know, the, the Bellinghams and the Mbappes this world just very rarely come to Liverpool. We may, we might go out and splash the cash on one big player, like, you know, the, the likes of Alisson or Van Dijk or whatever. But the players who built us to where we got to, as mentioned, like the likes of Wijnaldum, Mane and Salah, who, you know, we're not necessarily the first choice in the case of Mo Salah. Like Julian Brandt was apparently the first choice, and the 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 recruitment team identified Mo Salah as you know in in inverted commas a, a Chelsea reject. Um, Sadio Mane from Southampton, people scoffed, and look at the type of performances and players that we got. You know, like Romeo Lavia is a name that's doing the rounds at at Southampton at the moment. Southampton are down. We're going to play them on Sunday. You know. He was at the Man City Academy and they've got a buyback. That Grom was the dog who clearly doesn't happy with Romeo Lavia. Um Yeah, and we we if, we, if we, we, love our, him, we love our relegation team fucking cast off, don't we? If we go and get him at what, nineteen years of age or whatever, and you know, develop him into a, a player that he could potentially be then for thirty million quid or something, then everyone will be like, you know what, they've done it again. Or, you know, if you know, whoever else is going down leads Leicester potentially the blue shite. You know, there could be a player there somewhere that people have overlooked and then we see them and think, you know what, we'll have him for 20 million or 15 million because they've gone down and they have to sell. And all of a sudden they're like, you know what, that was just such clever business. There's there's probably a player somewhere within one of their squads, maybe not the Blues because they haven't got a very good one, but, you know, if... Let's just say Harvey Barnes, for example, was was available for 25, 30 million quid. And we brought him in as a as a backup squad player, but he ended up turning into a first team player, then Yeah, like, and even if he doesn't, you're not going to lose any money on him, Jay. That that that's the sort of business we will operate. And if it's Harvey Barnes or Mason Mount at sixty million and Harvey Barnes is half the price, then I know we're happy shopping. Yeah, and that sounds all very FSG um, to me. All right, lads, listen, thanks. Um, we, we'll do something after after the season and we'll chat shit about how good and how bad we think teams are going to be next season, including ourselves, uh, which we'll be ultimately very, 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 very wrong about. Um, so, yeah, until the season ends, finally, thankfully, of the Europa League Reds.